Welcome to Think Law. Think Law is a podcast series where we interview people from different legal backgrounds about their journeys to guide aspiring law students. We're very excited to welcome our first speaker, Josiah Senu. Um, hi, Josiah. It's nice to have you here with us today. Um, a fellow LSE graduate and also hosting a podcast, 20 to 1, I believe it's called. Um, yeah, so it's nice to have you here with us today. And um, I was just going to dive in straight into questions. But yeah, if you'd briefly like to introduce yourself as well. Oh, an introduction <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I was a former student here at the LSE. Um, I taught here at the LSE as well. So I have a, a close, deep and meaningful connection with this place. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I've done a number of different projects and, ac- and activities, both on a um, professional and um, a personal level, which I continue to enjoy on a day-to-day basis, from working with charities like the Sun Trust um, to working in tech companies um, to publishing papers. I've done a whole host of different things, but I'm I'm sure we'll uncover all of this in during the podcast today. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Um, so I guess um, for our qu- first question, because we're kind of catering to an audience of undergraduate students at the moment. Um, when you were doing your undergraduate at LSE, did you kind of always have a set career path that you knew you were going to do, especially studying your Bachelor of Law? Or um, what was kind of the desire or what drove you to kind of follow a certain career path? Um, was it more of a development or was it more of an idea that you had going into the Bachelor? It's a great question. Um, so like many law students, um, I probably came in with the idea that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I, I took on the law degree because I was interested in the relationships that govern our society today. You know, um, Law seemed to be the perfect uh, combination of history, politics, economics, philosophy. Um, and I was always interested in the dynamics that um, existed between parties. And so always, I, I guess, uh, ever since I started law degree, I didn't imagine myself to be anything other than a lawyer. And that probably meant I relentlessly pursued that path. Um, and I really enjoyed advocacy. I really enjoyed speaking to people, talking to people, representing people. Um, I remember I moved during my first year and the feeling you have when you're thinking on your feet and a judge asks you a really tough question uh, and then you provide an answer that you never even thought you knew you had and yeah. <laughs> uh, you see the judge nodding away. It's an extraordinary feeling. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, I, I would love to do this for the rest of my life. Being paid to speak, oh, <laughs> amazing you know why why wouldn't i do that um and so that's really what what um kickstarted it really i i i guess i well, as long as i remember I've, I've always wanted to do it it's not to say that i never had a wobble though um i remember at the end of my first year um the grades weren't exactly where i wanted them mm-hmm. to be um i didn't feel like i necessarily fitted into the lse yeah. crowd <laughs> and, yeah it's a very <laughs> common feeling right and then the question to to my uh, professor who I think is still here, uh, Professor Andrew Summers, um, and I and I basically told him, look, um, I'm really uh, scared and worried about uh, my future, a career at the bar. I'm not sure that I can do this. What do I do? 
um, and uh, I, I always speak about the value of mentors and mentorship and he certainly uh, guided me and provided me a pathway um, one that I didn't necessarily know existed mm-hmm. um, so and that's what I pursued really um, to, to try and become a barrister yeah okay very nice thank you so much um, and I guess kind of leading on to that at LSE, I think there's quite a like common perception to follow a specific career path. Usually it's a solicitor because there's this idea that um, it's kind of connected to lifestyle, I guess, the, the, mon- the salary you have. And I guess it's a bit more straightforward than a career path to a bar. So how did you kind of um, avoid getting dragged into that um, like mainstream idea of becoming a solicitor but kind of going your own path? Great question. So I think I may alienate um, a lot of solicitors here. So um, uh, a fair trigger warning before I I speak. Uh, So I I always thought that um, life as a solicitor would only really be fun when you were the person managing the relationships. Yeah. So when when I saw partners coming into... um, talks with students and talking about all the things that they did it sounded phenomenal right um you know managing a a case putting the associates on it talking with the client managing the intricacies and the details of the law um i remember when i when i joined um the fintech that i currently work at salt pay um during my first few weeks i actually entered into a contractual negotiation with a tax partner um, and that was fun, yeah. Of course, I mean, you know, you're you're really, you know, fighting really interesting clauses and points, um, and I can see how motivating that might be. But um, unfortunately, that is not the life that you have when you're mm-hmm. starting out your junior career. Yeah. Um, you have to do the really menial, boring tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost part and parcel of the training. They say um, the baptism of fire that enables you to then have the career that you've <sighs> always wanted. And personally, I was never attracted by that. I never wanted to be in an environment where I didn't have the autonomy, the freedom, the creativity to act and to act independently and to act on the basis of merit and not on the basis of experience. Um, I didn't feel like the life as a corporate solicitor offered me that. Um, I also didn't feel like it offered me the ability to use my skills um, in advocacy at all. Um, maybe if I joined the yeah. litigation practice, but then again, you'll be focusing on witness statements and um, trying to uh, complete bundles for the barristers. And maybe you might be involved in some case theory development, but that's ultimately down to the barrister always. Um, so I never felt that life as a as a corporate solicitor was one that um, personally called me mm-hmm. um although i can com- completely understand its attraction for yeah. <laughs> the, the the team um aspect of it the um the the idea that you're always working on a deal and that deal moves very quickly and so you get this massive buzz or you know maybe you work in in project finance and then you're you know you're involved in in the building being set up and then you look at that building you're like well i was involved in making that building yeah. happen <laughs> you know and i get i get all of that um personally it was never something that really attracted me i wanted to feel like i would have a direct impact on the life of on the life of an individual that i was working with mm-hmm. life at the bar offered me that unique privilege and then i i also wanted to make sure that um i could do something outside of life at the bar yeah. um because ultimately you know i have a lot of 
passion projects that I that I care about. Um, I care a lot about com- the community. I care a lot about sociability um, and these things. And being a barrister enabled me to be able to man- manage that because I could manage my own time um, and no one would have to, to tell me when to, to be present or when not to be present. I mean, ultimately, that's just on me if I, if I want to make a living and, and make ends meet for myself. So there were many things that attracted me and then it just became... And, and no internal drive and, yeah. and passion <laughs> to remain focused on the goal and commitment and it's really funny because I think I always knew that if I pursued that path and if, even if I failed perhaps all the experiences I built up would still make me good enough yeah. to be um, a solicitor. That's really impressive that you were able to kind of uh, find your own confidence in taking your own path so I'm curious so did you do the vacation scheme? <laughs> I did do the vacation schemes um, uh, because, I mean, it was told to me that you've got to do the vacation schemes to show the barristers that you actually don't want to uh, be a solicitor. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which I thought was interesting. It wasn't just the case of, oh, well, you know, I guess you don't know whether or not you don't like something if you haven't tried it. Yeah, of course. Um, So at least try it and then see what you think. Um, And it's good experience anyway. And they pay you decent money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mess around in an office and mm-hmm. pretend to do some work. So, you know, what was, <laughs> the, what was the harm? Um, uh, that mentality probably was the harm, to be honest with you, uh, when I was yep. present in the law firm. Only because um, I remember there was one vacation scheme. Um, I'm not sure I've ever told this, this story publicly, but here we go. Um, I was meant to be uh, on a boat trip. Um, okay. So, so... Uh, uh, this uh, you know, the firm had organised a a boat trip in the morning. It was very early, actually. It was probably around um, eight o'clock that the the boat had to depart, and um, you know a bunch of us had gone out the previous evening. Um, we were in Amsterdam, so as you can imagine, it was pretty good fun. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was pretty much ready the following morning, despite you know arriving home pretty late. Um, but I was I was basically ready to go. Um, and uh, through some issue or circumstance, um, I ended up not leaving the hotel that we were at until about 7.45. Okay. Um, and the distance from the hotel to the boat was about half an hour walk. And I remember sprinting all the <laughs> way from the hotel to the boat, um, only to arrive and watch the boat. No. head away into the distance no. and it was at that moment I saw my TC float away from me <laughs> um, but but I, I mean I, I say that story in jest but it but it's probably reflective of you know looking back how I probably felt about mm-hmm. it um, yeah. which was that um, it was nice to be present but it was never ever going to be the thing that really drew me that would make yeah. me you know be there 10 hours early ready to yeah, make sure that yeah. I participate in every single activity yeah. at every single moment so um, you kind of got to want it really um, I think as most things in yeah, life that's true yeah makes it a lot easier when you want something <laughs> um, so I guess uh, a last question to your undergraduate years as far as I understood you published papers during your time at um, LSE um, so I think one was between a rock and a hard place, no oral modification clauses after rock advertising and MWB and the last stand folks in beer. So um, I guess were these kind of thematic ideas that you developed in response to like classes and lectures, um, I guess it'd just be interesting to know like how, 
how you had the time, first of all, to publish these papers or write them, and second of all, how you came up with the ideas? Oh, that that is a that's a good one. Um, that's me going back in time. Yeah. Um, if I recall correctly, um, I those were two public papers that I published during second year, and I published a third one. Um, by the time I finished third year, so it actually published three papers um, before I graduated um, and how did the idea come about mm-hmm. um, so again I, I can only really um, count on my professor um, yeah. in this in this yeah. in this mm-hmm. regard so um, he's a private lawyer um, I was extremely interested in private law I wanted to be a private lawyer um, and I developed an interest in in commercial matters and during my degree I, I didn't really expose myself enough to those topics um, and so um, there were a bunch of, of different cases that were coming out at the time um, and rock advertising was one such like case and I had read the case um, and I thought that it was fascinating um, the the idea that uh, you could not variate a contract orally um, you could mm-hmm. not change a contract after it had been uh, signed. Um, whether or not you could have a clause, or uh, how would that affect? How would the timing of the change affect the contract itself? Yeah. Um, was incredibly interesting as mm-hmm. a philosophical mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for those who enjoy philosophy, and you know, uh, it, it was it became interesting, and yeah. I just started writing about it and. Yeah. Um, putting my ideas on a piece of paper and I shared it with my professor and I thought and I said to him if I decided to publish this <laughs> you know would it be accepted yeah. rejected um, you know I knew he was a reviewer for of, of a law journal okay. so it was useful just to get an of indication course. of what was going on and and it's something he, he said which was quite interesting was that um, the maturity of the writing mm-hmm. for for someone so young was actually remarkable Wow, he was okay. actually stunned that uh, it would have been written so well really? um, and actually encouraged that, yeah. that I publish it. Um, and then that really sparked um, yeah. the life of publishing of because once that one went through, it was like incredible. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know it was possible as an undergrad. <laughs> yeah. I thought only professors published, exactly. um, only academics. Um, and then that became super exciting. And what was, what was interesting is that that... Um, uh, topic at the time was incredibly um, controversial you know it was uh, a topic that hadn't really had a clear and direct answer mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I remember a couple of years later seeing that the paper had been cited by the the, the two chief justice of the New Zealand Supreme Court That's in a judgment <laughs> and, I, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I thought to myself well I mean I didn't know that at the time yeah. but um, it, it was super nice to see that actually you know your, your work is being used and cited and, um, and, yeah. and added value in some sense um, you know it's a rare thing to be cited in a Supreme Court judgment of anyway uh, and um, to you know, it wasn't the UK but it was New Zealand and that's pretty much good enough mm-hmm. um, so that, that was you know that was exciting and then it just it bled on from there because then I began to, began to have a fascination with um, consideration. Yeah. Okay. Um, and how that affected contracts and, yeah. and contractual variations yeah. in general. Um, and you know the classic Williams and Roffey, um, Stilkin, Mirick, all of these cases um, became 
um, philosophical in, endeavors. Um, uh, and then I started, you know, wanting to, to really boil down what was yeah. actually relevant when an individual made a promise. What does the promise of an individual actually mean? Yeah. Um, and how can we make sure that contracts are, are we can hold ourselves accountable to, mm-hmm. to contractual agreements. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had seen very little literature, actually, uh, that had really fought the good case to have folks in beer remain good law. Um, I thought it was good law at the time. And um, I then proceeded to write another paper explaining uh, why, why it was good law. Uh, and uh, then that sparked another interest mm-hmm. into another area of law, which is around damages and negotiating damages. And then that became super interesting mm-hmm. um, for me because, you know, it was all around uh, this idea of um, uh, paying, paying compensation for something that you cannot necessarily understand the price of. Yeah. So where it's difficult to understand what the underlying economic value of the right is, mm-hmm. how do you try to put a value on it? How yeah. does the court compensate for that? Is there such a thing to say that you have a right to performance that has a value you can attach to it and that should be paid for? Um, because that has lots of implications for whether yeah. or not your promise uh, to contract matters mm-hmm. and I don't know for me for me these were fascinating questions yeah. <laughs> about the, the heart of it and I, I remember you know, thinking to myself maybe I should become an academic because <laughs> all of this stuff is so interesting um, for me um, for, for others a bit mundane but I, I thought it was interesting <laughs> no wow it's really impressive I think everyone can only dream of publishing a paper that early but um, so I guess kind of focusing more on your career now um, obviously, it's quite clear from uh, speaking to you that you were very passionate about going into the bar, about advocacy, um, and your career path, I guess, kind of also reflects that. So I'm wondering, um, from conversations with you uh, and um, from reading kind of your um, career journey, you're now working full-time at Salt Pay, as far as I understood. So how did that shift come about from um, being on this path to becoming a barrister and now um, kind of switching it up to a different um, career? Yeah, the million dollar question. Yeah. Um, so, to be honest, I was 100% committed until yeah. I wasn't. Okay. Um, I, I, I wanted to be a barrister with every vein in my body. Um, it was a beautiful career. It's such a privilege to be part of it. Um, the traditions, the 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 focus on justice, the focus on the rule of law, uh, upholding the mm-hmm. rule of law, the the belief that equ- equality is necessary to holding the fabric of society together. Yeah. Um, these are all values that I found to be incredibly endearing and, and powerful. Um, you know, you have uh, an important voice for others who may not have one. Um, and I really do, uh, in many ways, applaud the profession and think it's one of the best professions in the world. Um, but there are real issues and challenges that yeah. the bar faces. Um, and I um, was subject to those mm-hmm. pressures and challenges, okay. right? Um, it's not no secret at all that the bar is not um, diverse. Yeah, yeah. It, it does not uh, accommodate or represent those who come from 
disadvantaged, unprivileged backgrounds, perhaps um, non-British backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, those who come from who are ethnic minorities. Uh, it is incredibly hard to break through. Um, yeah. What there are ten thousand barristers, um, and uh, the number of those who are not white male and upper class is very very little Um, and so you know when you walk into a chambers and you look around um, you may feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Um, even if the the people who look at you who talk to you are smiling cheerful pleasant it it nevertheless um, can feel like an uncomfortable space because you don't see anyone who looks like you talks like you or has your experience Mm -hmm. I remember I was on a mini pupillage with uh, barristers chambers that I will not mention Um, and uh, the barristers had taken us to eat um, dinner in one of the inns yeah uh, which lunch I should say at one of the inns um, which is normally typical on a a mini pupillage (laughs) Um, and um, the conversation uh, at the table was first around you know the cases was happening careers um and then of course you know they've got the mini people um so they've got to make some conversation with the mini people otherwise it's a bit awkward yeah right? of course <laughs> um so you know they attempt to make some conversation and eventually it goes to talking about food and and particularly fennel mm, okay <laughs> and um you know awkward second year student really nervous <laughs> doesn't know what's going on at all um and for the life of me not knowing what fell was oh, no. um, I, I just couldn't engage in the conversation and I didn't know what to say <laughs> or how to react to any joke so I was just there smiling away <laughs> oh no pretending as if I belonged when deep down I didn't really feel I did yeah. um, and if they had talked about the football I probably would have been able to engage yeah. maybe you know that's something that's super common it's an, an everyday an everyday thing um, you know talk about X Factor or Britain's Got Talent yeah, I'm, I'm there that. yeah everyone knows that you know they just love Ireland that's taking everyone's attention <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you know I, I, I would have been able to have a conversation about that but then it, it, I began to realise that um, yeah if you've never been exposed or had to be had to be exposed to um, other experiences other people ways, other ways of working you, you have no real reason to change or, or open your mind or to think yeah. that you're doing something wrong. So, I mean, I, you know, and there are countless experiences like this that are more serious and that others will have. But um, it was a real challenge that the culture of the bar um, wasn't uh, wasn't where, uh, you know, you would want it to be. Now, saying that, did that necessarily stop me to say I don't want to be a barrister? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I didn't feel like um, that was the hindrance. In fact, I probably it probably drove me to want to go to the bar because I wanted to be part of change. Yeah. I wanted to help drive um, a, a new world and a new culture yeah, at the bar. <laughs> you know, and I met um, uh, Baroness Hale, um, who is an incredibly a uh, formidable woman uh is so articulate so intelligent and i remember her talking to to me about all the the challenges that she faces as a woman um trying to break through and you know uh, she's impeccable you know she she 
um, was almost always the best at every single yeah. step of her journey. <laughs> so, scary. you know, it's quite scary. And it's no surprise that she got to where um, she got to. But even despite that, she faced challenges, mm. you know, and you think to yourself, well, how can someone so incredibly uh, formidable, so incredibly wonderful face such challenges um, every step, at every step of their journey? Is that fair? Should our legal system promote that, allow yeah. that? to happen yeah. absolutely not um so you know I, I felt like you know there had to be um some change but then what motivated the move um really it was um the ambition to to impact the lives of others in a really meaningful way at yeah. a at a bigger scale okay um so uh being exposed to life as an entrepreneur I kind of didn't actually know what was possible outside of the law mm-hmm. imagine you spent a lot of your life wanting to be a lawyer yeah. diving deep into the law having um, quirky conversations with your friends at pubs about the law <laughs> you know as, yeah. as immersed as you can Excellent be does. right um, <laughs> And then, you know, the, to the next day you're now um, having conversations about um, business metrics and um, building value and um, building products and how that affects the lives of, of millions of people. And you think to yourself, what, what changed? What, what happened between yesterday and today? And all that happened really was an exposure to an alternative world. Yeah. Um, and the opportunity to leverage the skills that I had in one world um, that worked so well the, the the sharp thinking the the creativity um, the discipline the focus and applying it into a different world um, where actually um, you can probably have much bigger effects and it compounds much more you see the thing about the bar is that it's um, I think it, it's a the best representation of Britishness mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is that um <laughs> things are always stable um yes we are open to change but we take change at our own pace um so uh, it doesn't matter how radical you want to operate uh, it will be a steady ship yeah. all the way through yeah. and that's kind of the bar you know it's a steady ship we are stable mm-hmm. we get there's going to be change but, but it'll take it its time come eventually <laughs> e- exactly um whereas this other world was uh you know every 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 you know every 10 minutes there would be a change you know uh, every day there would be a change nothing was stable things were incredibly chaotic and dysfunctional and you know you were having to use your your brain all the time to fix problems yeah. and you it was thinking on your feet every moment uh, yeah. at every moment it's so exciting, the it's adrenaline. Ex- the adrenaline you know yeah. and i never thought that I, I i was really motivated in such a way um and then seeing how your work actually has a direct impact on others um that's that was super exciting as well so it seemed to me that i was getting all the things that i wanted from life at the bar um from a world and entrepreneurship and in tech but getting it much faster um and feeding that there was much more to do at a much bigger scale Um, and so that's what eventually probably just made me decide well um, I should probably do something which excites me and makes me incredibly happy at every waking moment Um, I never felt like I was uh, leaving the bar I always felt like I I could come back yeah, if I course. if I wanted to and I you know and maybe I will at yeah. some point in my <laughs> you life never um you never know but right now um this moment felt right to go on mm-hmm. and, and pursue uh something else yeah no it's so important to do something that you're also really passionate about because I think that changes the value of your work as well 
So, um, wow, that's incredible. So what exactly is your work then at Salt Pay? What are you currently doing? What's your role? Um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to know that. Yeah, great question again. Um, so what's really interesting is that my role has evolved in so many different ways since my my time there. Um, uh, when I started, there were only a couple of us. Um, so it was very much at uh, the genesis of the, the story, and uh, which is also what makes this incredibly unique is that, you know, I, I was there at the beginning. I was there when the business was really, really small. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I had a legal background. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I supported the legal team at the time. There were just three of us. Yeah. Um, and then that evolved into doing some M&A work um, mm -hmm. because we were doing a lot of acquisitions at the time. So okay. I ended up doing a lot of that. Um, so you might say that I actually ended up doing a lot of corporate law work, work. Yeah, work exactly. in the very beginning. Um, but it, it felt almost different because it was towards accomplishing a, a bigger, a bigger aim and a yeah. bigger cause. Um, but then you know, I swiftly then moved out of M&A and then I, I ended up um, heading up our policy team Oh, um, okay. So that now was interesting because now it was, well, what's the, the connection between governments and law yes. and policy um, and how do you, how does that affect the economics and how do you put that all together to mm -hmm. influence um, the law to make it change? And, you know, coming from a legal background, again, you can yeah. see where the natural um, evolution hap has of happened course, yeah. um, there. Uh, and then I, I moved away from that and um, joined the people team. Mm. You might think you might think well, rad, that's super random. And <laughs> yeah. now left field. Yep. Now we're entering the left field territory. Okay. Um, <laughs> HR. Never thought I would ever do Interesting. HR. Okay. Um, but an incredibly phenomenal experience to learn how um, HR works. And yeah. you realize that for massive companies, um, you know, your HR function is actually critical. It's the number one function to driving yeah. excellent performance across the entire business and so that has become an incredible endeavor and in, in, in learning and understanding how that works um and then i went into branding and okay a bit of marketing so you know design nice. and and video and and then now i'm learning a bunch of skills that again i didn't have before completely and, and yeah. completely different from law com you know just uh left field again from from what i was thought i was going to do in the past but but now um you know i've arrived at a place where now i'm i'm managing the the commercial function of of a country ireland um so uh i'm, I'm the country leader for that so i i now live in dublin um, oh, okay. and, I, wow. and i travel in between london and dublin quite a lot um and managing a business within a business is quite an interesting concept yeah. um but again it's a different type of experience of where you know you've got to build your sales function you've got to build your finance function you've got to build uh your your customer operations you've got to build the legal and all of a sudden you're now building a business that's got yeah. to make revenue in order to survive you know and you to justify the existence of of what you've got so over time um the last two and a half three years of been involved in a bunch of different things a bunch of different projects yeah it's hard to ever say that at any point i ever had um one specific role mm -hmm. and probably that's what's different from maybe um life as a barrister where eventually i would specialize and do one thing yeah but if i'm being honest with you um these moments of my life right now feel very much like i've got some training wheels on and i'm almost taking you know four months in one department four months in another department four months in another part department and learning actually where do I 
want to be and yeah. what do I want to do um, and being part of this great story that we we have mm-hmm. at Salt Pay which is to you know provide a great solutions to small and medium-sized businesses yeah. fundamentally to be their partners to help them grow yeah. um, and to be better than who they are right because you, know, you think of your local hairdresser your local grocer and um, these are the people who are there every single day providing um, so that they can take care of their families and they can take care of you and you know you see the the impact that you have yeah. on their lives and the work that you do yeah. so I don't know there are a lot of things that you know the mission um, the opportunity for growth the malleability yeah. of my life, great work-life balance. Yeah, um, perfect. We uh, all want that. <laughs> which is super strong, you know, take care of your mental health, you know, all of these things. Um, I can't complain about the current life that I live at Salt Bay. Yeah, wow. It sounds like you're developing, like, a big palette of skills as well and high level of responsibility, which is which is nice to have at such a younger age because I think in a lot of these law jobs, it's very much the level of responsibility only becomes bigger when you kind of develop into a more um well as a solicitor a partner associate and then with a barrister as well i think it's a it's a longer development absolutely i mean you know you look at uh you know any any career that has that level of hierarchy you don't get given the autonomy and responsibility at a very early age right it's just impossible but what's really exciting about this world is that it doesn't matter what experience you yeah. have what matters is do you have the intelligence yeah. do you have the energy and do you have the integrity to yeah. deliver against the objectives that you've been set and the more you do that the more you exactly. grow and it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy of mm-hmm. if the the better I do the more I get the yeah. better I do the more I get and and that becomes extraordinarily exciting um, people want to help they yeah. want to empower yeah. they love the energy of young people um, and so it's it's you know it's a marriage made in heaven really and I, I try to encourage as many people as i can to to pursue a life in in entrepreneurship and tech it's it's phenomenally rewarding uh and probably one of the the few professions where your talent is commensurate to the rewards that you have very true very true yeah working at myself as a startup this summer i realized that the i don't know it was kind of a fun experience as well kind of interacting with the ceo with the kind of hire people in the company but it doesn't feel like a hierarchy it feels more like a community i guess you're working with yeah it, it, it's it's phenomenal really right and and it goes back to what i was saying about the the culture at the yeah. bar right you're just not going to get that exactly no matter how hard they try and um, um, you know the set i was going to i i i think they were phenomenal absolutely fantastic great people um but you know they're probably the best representation I can imagine of a great culture and even yeah. that does not necessarily compete with you know a life at a Google or a Facebook exactly. you know right yeah. these places are really places of of great innovation creativity and um, fun but but don't get me wrong it's also it's not a place where um, you're not working very hard no, no, or you're not trying to perform at your best I mean you've got some incredibly talented intelligent people around and um you know you you want to work with those people right like if if there's a if there's a great density of really great minds you, you want to be there right because that's yeah, where you're going to grow <laughs> as much as possible and that is certainly not uh, absent um yeah. at salt pay or um, i imagine and any other tech company um and actually you know you're applying your mind to a problem that hasn't yet been solved yeah of course that's really cool yeah wow very cool <laughs> In the interest of time, I'm going to um, ask one more question. I think there's so much more we could speak about. But I think um, for, I guess, law students and non-law students, 
do you have any advice you could give on those kind of pursuing a career in law, those kind of thinking about changing but not sure because of the stability aspect maybe or um, kind of being worried about um, what the future would hold? So uh, to the law students, enjoy your degree as much as possible. Um, life in the law is long yeah. and arduous yeah. and uh, certainly if you want to make it to the very end mm-hmm. uh, you, it requires stamina Yeah. so take a moment to enjoy your surroundings enjoy the moment enjoy the study of law it's incredibly fun uh, yeah. it's it's amazing really it's uh, true. <laughs> I, I loved it I, I loved my, my degree um, I love the people I met mm-hmm. on my degree I'm, I'm still very close friends um, with uh, the people I met on my degree so you know really enjoy it I think it's important when you think about your career ask yourself uh, what what will the law degree enable me to do yeah. Is it a question that I want to directly impact the lives yeah. of others? Um, is it the fact that I just feel like I want to improve my skills? Mm-hmm. I think law will give me a great um, professional uh, foundation and that's a foundation that I want for the future. Understand what your motivations are. Understand what the goal is. Because if you can do that, then actually the next couple of years of your investment in this journey will make much more sense. But don't enter the profession if you want to do it because you don't have anything else to do um because you're not quite sure where else you want to go at that point actually um reconsider yeah yeah um there are so many different jobs out Mm. there today uh that didn't (laughs) exist back in the day of our parents and our grandparents um you can create your own job um you you can start (laughs) up yeah you can um you know never before has so much information been at the fingertips of our generation never before has so much progress in human society been made uh mm-hmm. you know don't follow um and this might sound odd um don't follow your dream follow the opportunity yeah yeah um so and and, and people will find great you know comfort and excitement from that uh, so that's what i'll say to the law students um to the to the non-law students who want to get into law um, know what you're signing up for um, <laughs> uh, you know uh, you, you guys have had a fantastic path outside of law yeah. uh, studying really cool subjects and doing really cool things um, still have that same curiosity mm-hmm. and passion to, to do other things um, think about you know what else excites me apart from law law will yeah. always be there that's true there will always be hundreds of lawyers um, trying to accomplish justice in the world mm-hmm. um, you know you can always go to it but think to yourself is there something else out there which attracts me that I feel really passionate about and then if you find out that law is something that you want to do and where you where you want to go that's that's awesome that's really amazing um, what, I, what I would advise you is enter, enter into it with the same maturity that you did when you made the decision and stay with that maturity mm-hmm. because um it can be hard. Um, you can waver. Uh, all of us do. All of us have deep amounts of uncertainty. But um, it's okay. Uh, just plow on. And there's probably a third point I will make, which is which is this one. Um, to those who do law and say, I don't want to do law anymore. Mm-hmm. 
it's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, um, I have found great joy by not knowing what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. And that may be strange um, because lawyers are generally risk averse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I really have found that um, the excitement of not knowing where I'm going means that I enjoy that moment much more. Yeah. Every day I look forward to, every day I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think to myself, well, amazing, right? Why, how else would I want to live my life right now? Mm-hmm. Maybe that might change in 10 years, but then that would make sense as well. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but right now, uh, I'm I'm learning. I've got the training rules Very on. Very nice. Yeah, it's nice to take out the monotony of life sometimes <laughs> as well. So, yeah, no, that's amazing. I think that gives us all a lot to think about, um, hopefully. <laughs> um, and, yeah, honestly, I think it's really interesting that you kind of took an alternative journey um, to what I guess we're mostly used to, especially at LSE, which is a very career-focused university. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing to hear it. I think uh, people have so much to learn, and um, I hope people are more motivated to follow their own career path. <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful having you here with us today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rika. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast, and I wish you all the very best of success. It was an, an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in for our first episode. Keep posted for our next episodes to come and make sure to follow us on our social media and on Spotify.